You're listening to the King's Church DC podcast. King's Church is located in the heart of Washington DC and exists to make Jesus known in our city through enduring presence that brings personal conversion, purposeful living, and community reconciliation. We hope you enjoy the following sermon. Good morning. It's good to be here again. It's always a privilege to uh, visit with King's Church. You know, you, I'm gone for a little bit, and then I come back, and I'm like, do you get all recognized just how significant the work is that the Lord is doing here? Like, something very special is happening here. I feel like a parent sometimes, like, you watch your kid, and when you're in the thick of it, you probably don't see the growth, and then one day, like, you go on a vacation, or you go on a business trip, and you come back, and you see your child, and you're like, whoa, look at, what, look at the changes. This church, the Lord's hand is here, and he is working, and that's a, not just a responsibility for, for the elders here, but it's a responsibility for everybody who calls this your church home to, to care for this carefully and cherish it because uh, it's very special and unique what the Lord is doing here. So thank you for letting me be here. Uh, this morning we're going to unpack uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through uh, 25, and that song about fear. That's the topic that we're going to be talking about today is fear. It's something that's very natural to all of us as human beings. We all wrestle with this emotion of fear. And we all handle it a little bit differently, right? Some people, and maybe you're like this here, that you handle it this way. When, when you get fearful, you just get aggressive, right? You know, you want to you hit something or hit someone when fear comes upon you. Maybe that's you and that's how you handle it. Other people, they handle fear very differently. It's like, I just want to get away from it as fast as possible. I want to I dip out. I just want to be gone, right? I want to I check out whenever fear comes. And then some of you, I imagine there's a few of you here that when you're fearful, you embrace it, right? You love the adrenaline of fear. Some of you, right, you like the idea of jumping out of stuff, you know, I don't know, airplanes, bridges, whatever. Like you, you, you handle fear by just embracing the adrenaline. Me, the way I handle fear, I try to be like the guy in the deodorant commercial, right? Like never see him, never let him see you sweat, they try to like pretend that I'm not afraid. And then there's those moments where, right, you just, you just can't fake it, right? You've got Lake Erie gushing out of your armpits and it's like pretty clear that you're afraid. Like, so Ben and Wesley mentioned that today's my 29 year wedding anniversary. And I, when we got engaged, um, I went to my father-in-law who is a really, really just intimidating man. I love him. He's been like a father to me for now nearly 30, over 30 years. But when I went to him to ask for uh, Gina, my wife, or hand in marriage, I had to go and ask the father. Anybody have to do this? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so maybe you'll relate to this, the fear, right? So I'm gonna like never let him see me sweat. I go to my father-in-law, who is my future father-in-law, who's working on a Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Okay, so that tells you something. 8 a.m., he's at his office, um, and he's an Italian man, just very put together, very intimidating. So I'm going to be like, I got to be cool, right? I just got to be cool. So I walk into his office and it's 8 a.m. and he's at his desk like this. You know, and I try to come in. I'm like, Mr. LaFrada, I said, uh, can I have a word with you? And this is what I get. I'm like, okay, well, just stay cool. Never let him see you sweat. I'm like, well, I just, I'd like to talk to you. Um, because I bought this ring, and I would really like to ask 
your daughter to be my wife, and we've been dating for a while now, and I get this. So I'm rambling now for a couple minutes, and I'm getting very little reaction. And then his glasses, right, they're, they're on his nose like this. He just looks up at me and goes, she's young. Put his head. Now, she's 19 at the time, so I get it now, right? She's young. But I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I, I understand she's young. And, you know, but, but you know, I, I don't want to do it right away. He looks up, he goes, two years. And I'm like, two you know, I was thinking two years. Two years is, that's exactly, now, like, and nobody, right? Nobody is thinking two years. Two-year engagement is, is rough, okay? But here was the thing. I just wanted to manage my fear. I just didn't want him to see how terrified I really was. I just wanted to keep it under control. And we all, we handle fear in different ways. We all handle it in different ways. But here's what I hope today, what you're going to see. I hope that you're going to see the grace of Jesus Christ, who, who, who he does better than asking us to just manage our fears. Jesus does better than asking us to just come up with different coping mechanisms for our fears. What we see in the text today is that the Lord God himself, Jesus Christ, he silences all of life's fears. So we're going to look into the scripture this morning. And the big idea this morning is that Jesus silenced life's greatest fears. So in Luke chapter 8, here's what we're going to, we're going to see. In Luke chapter 8, we're getting all these like vignettes that, that Luke has put together that are unpacking Jesus' teaching about faith. So in Luke, this is where the passage you're getting, Luke talks about uh, Jesus' teaching on the parable of the sower, and he, he reconciles that, that faith is connected to hearing the word of God. And then we see that he unpacks this concept of faith is something that is to be displayed. He talks about it as a light that you can't cover. And then he says something in Luke chapter 8, right before the passage that we're going to press into this morning, that's really astonishing. He says that this life of faith, this connectivity that we have in faith in Jesus Christ, is actually a bond that is deeper and stronger than the blood bond we have with family which was absolutely incredible for him to say something like this during this time, because we're talking about a time when kinship relationship was the highest relationship. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Here's what you're going to see is that the faith that binds you in, in, in me, that actually transcends family relations. Now, he unpacks all of these things about faith, and then we're going to see something in Luke chapter 8, the nature of it, that it must be exercised. It must be exercised and it's tested and it's exposed and we respond and it must be exercised. So let's just look at the passage. It starts off in verse 22 and he says, one day he and his disciples got into a boat and he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Now I want you to notice something here that Jesus does. Matthew and Mark, when they're recording this, they say that this happened after a long day of ministry. Luke doesn't say that. Luke just says one day. He got into a boat with his disciples and he said, let's go to the other side. Two things I want you to notice about this. He doesn't give them an agenda. He doesn't give them the plan. He doesn't pull out the full focus planner and say, okay, we're going on the other side of the bay. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. By eight o'clock, we're going to do that. He doesn't do any of that. What Jesus just says is, hey, let's get in a boat and we're going to cross over. Now, that may just not seem like a big deal, but I think there is something here that's a really big deal. There's a risk when he says, get into the boat. There's a very literal, real risk in getting into the boat. It's the boats over in, in that part of the world, if you've been there before, if you've visited 
uh, Israel and you go to the Sea of Galilee, they've excavated a lot of these fishing boats. And here's the thing. They're about 29 feet long and they're really narrow. Okay. Now imagine Jesus has got his disciples with him. So we can imagine he's got the 12 with him, with himself in the boat. There's 13 in a really narrow boat that's probably not a whole lot more wider than a canoe. And he says, we're going we're gonna to cross. Doesn't tell them why. Now for the, the fishermen among them, it's probably not a big deal to, to, to cross the lake. But I'm imagining, you know, Matthew, the tax collector, is like, hmm, I'm not seafaring. Or Simon the zealot, really? Like, oh, there's, a, there's a sense here of, of some risk, we notice. But I also want you to notice something else. He and his disciples get into the boat. Jesus was in the same boat with them. But that truth kind of rests on you for a minute here. Jesus gets in the boat with them. He says, let's go across. And as they're sailing, he falls asleep. Now, not only is Jesus in the same boat with them, he's in the same conditions with them, right? He's in the same conditions. He's living under the same conditions as they're living in, in the same boat that he's in. He's tired. He's been ministering all day. And he gets into the boat and he falls asleep. I don't want to miss the identification that Christ makes with us, his people, in the same boat, under the same circumstances. He's tired. He needs rest. The other night, I was working, uh, I'm working late, and uh, I've got a MacBook. Anybody MacBook people here? You got, okay, so I don't know if you've had this happen before. I'm working on my MacBook, and the fan starts, and it just starts buzzing. Like, okay, so you've had this. So the fan starts going, and I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe this is a sign I need to shut it down for the night. So I hibernate the top. I, like, put it down, and I go downstairs, watch TV, and get up the next morning. I'm going to get back to work. And guess what? The fan's still going. Is anybody had this? Yeah, it's still, but so now I'm like, okay, the hibernation mode's not working. Um, I guess the only thing you do, right, is what? You hit the power down button? Well, Here's the point. God made us with a power down button. He made us to power down. And Jesus, after a full day of ministry, he gets into the boat, he powers down, he identifies with the exact same human conditions that we have, and he goes to sleep. In our humanity, in our humanity, he identifies. Now, here's why I'm bringing this up. You're like, what does that have to do with fear? Because for some of us, that might be one of our greatest fears, powering down. Just taking a moment and going, you know what? I got to step back. I need to step back. I need to let God run the universe, not me. I need to put myself under the, the laws or recognize that I live under these natural laws, these same natural laws that Jesus lived under, I live under. For some of you here, I would imagine that just powering down is a real fear for you. In some sense, you think about it and you go, wait, but if I power down and I stop running, running, running all the time, what if a ball gets dropped? Anybody ever feel that? Like if I just stop, if I just pause, if I just recognize my humanness and my need for rest, what if a ball gets dropped? What if somebody gets ahead of me? What if I slow down? And this might be terrifying for many of you here. And if it's you, I understand. I get this. For some of you, just powering down and stopping and resting for a minute means I'm going to be alone with my thoughts and you don't know the kind of thoughts that haunt me. There's a real fear. God has made this world 
And he's made this creation to, to be ordered in a certain way. And his rules of creation, his natural laws, they require that we recognize he's in control. I got to power down. You're not the one to beat the natural laws of God. If Jesus submitted himself to get in the same boat and Jesus has submitted himself that he needs rest and he needs sleep, that he's experienced the same fatigue, the same things we've experienced, we need to recognize and humble ourselves to this. Okay, because the story now starts to build some intrigue in verse 23. Look what happens in verse 23. And as they were sailing, he fell asleep then a fierce windstorm. And some of you are like, yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid if I, if I power down for a little bit, then comes the, the, the windstorm. I get you. I got that. Then a windstorm came down on the lake and they were being swamped and were in danger. They're in real danger here. To be literally swamped means they're being overwhelmed. Ever feel that way? Like you're being swamped? They're being swamped. They're being overwhelmed. And here's what's happening. God's laws are exposing their weakness. God's natural laws are exposing their weakness, their insecurity. It's exposing their lack of faith or their faith. That's what's happening here under these laws. God's laws work this way. First, his natural law works this way. It exposes our fragile nature. It exposes our weakness. It exposes our needs. It brings about great fear. Anybody ever ride out a hurricane before? That, okay, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody ride out a tornado? I got stuck in a blizzard last year. I'm from Buffalo. Like, now, maybe you heard about this blizzard last year. Uh, we, we get blizzards, like, we are kind of arrogant about it. We're like, three feet, no problem. Four feet, no problem. When you get up to seven feet, it's a problem, okay? So last year, uh, Christmas Eve, we got hurricane force winds. Um, hurricane force winds was seven feet of snow. And we're like arrogant about it. Like, so what? We're fine. Everything's good. Sam and I are hanging out eating Christmas cookies, doing puzzles. Gina's there. It's great. And about 10 o'clock at night, I get a phone call from our local fire department that says, hey, the, your church building, the the sprinkler systems are going off and it's filling with water. So I quickly, we looked on our phones and looked at the security cameras and sure enough, there's water like pouring through the building, 14,000 square feet, water just pouring out of the ceiling. So I said, well, I'm gonna go try to get there and shut the water main off. And Gina looked at me and said, there's seven feet of snow and it's a hurricane force winds and it's negative 28 below, negative 28. So there's nothing I can do. We submit to God's natural laws. We just sit there and we watch online for a while the building flood. Wake up on Christmas morning and there's two streets open. Uh, fortunately, we lived on one of those streets. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to put on my snowmobile suit. I'm going to get bundled up. I'm going to go and I'm going to go shut the water off in the building. So I did. I, I got out of my house, got in my car, and by God's grace and his mercy, I was able to get a mile close to the building by a mile, right? But I got to walk a mile through about this much snow, 20, negative 28. And I do it. I get pumping through the building. I get to the front door and I can hear, it sounds like a shower, okay? There's a shower running. I open the door and there's just water just pouring on me. And I'm like, I remembered, 
I, I'm soaking wet, and I remember watching Bear Grylls, okay? And yeah, so I'm watching Bear, I, I remember what Bear Grylls says. He says, if it's really cold and you get wet, what do you do? Take your clothes off. Because if you take your clothes off, right, and you have to wade through water, you can put warm clothes back on. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is I'm going to have to do what I got to do. So I strip down into my underpants. I go into our church building. I'm soaked. I get into the basement, and it's got about this, it's about hip high and ice cold, freezing water. Now I've got my cell phone with me. I find my way to the water main, and I'm like, I don't know how to shut this thing off. So I call the fire department, and they're like, okay, uh, Pastor Trippy, you got to just turn it counterclockwise. You can shut it off. And uh, I do that, and they go, are you okay? And I had this moment, I'm like, I don't know. I'm freezing cold. I'm in my underwear. If I die here, the front page of the Buffalo News is going to be local pastor found dead in basement in his underwear of flooded church. This is, you go, what, what does that have to do with anything? Because here's what, it, here's what it had to do with. I recognized in that moment how fragile we are under the natural laws of God. We don't win. And his natural laws point us to his moral laws. And there are moral laws of God that work the same way. He has ordered the universe to work a certain way. His laws expose our fragility. Our laws expose our weakness. They leave us in this place that we are creatures underneath his divine law and we're weak. As creatures living under his law, they explicitly, they, they reveal our weakness, our need. And when we live under his natural laws, we live under his moral laws. And when there's not a law, a natural law or a moral law, here's what we do. Our mind actually creates more laws. And here's what I mean by that. Our minds, we are so wired in such a way that we create laws where there are no laws. Let me give you an example. How many times do you catch yourself saying, you know, I got to do that. I should. I need to. I ought to. I must. Think of your job. How many times are you left thinking, well, I just need to do more. I need to be faster. I need to do better. Or how about in your relationships? We create laws. I need to meet their every need or they need to meet my every need. Or how about this? You think about your life stage. And in your life stage, you have laws that start to fill your mind. You say, you know what? By this age, I should have... I should be this far in my career. By this age, I should have this much money. By this age, I should be this, 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 this. Or how about in your relationship with God? How many times do we start to think, well, you know what? I just need to do more, try harder, be better, work more. The laws, the natural laws, they expose our weakness and our frail nature. God's moral laws, they expose our weakness in our frail nature. And the laws that we even create on ourselves, the expectations, they can leave us sometimes when we meet them, we're swelling with pride. Look how great I've done. Or when we don't meet them, what do we do? We beat ourselves up with despair and fall into low grade or serious depression. I could go on and on and on. And just like this storm overwhelms them with the pressure whether real or perceived, we are often overwhelmed with pressures of laws, expectations that crush us. 
they crush the human soul. Until we're much like the disciples here when they're in the boat with Jesus right there. Master, master, we're going to die is what the CSB says. The ESV says we're going to perish. Because God's laws, they expose our weakness. They expose our fears. And ultimately they have us, they leave us saying the same thing. Just like when I was in the basement, I'm like, I'm in real trouble. When we're confronted with the laws of God, here's what we say. I'm in real trouble. And I'm going to die. Thanks for the uplifting message, Dan. But his laws bring us to his marvelous grace. That's what they're meant to do. They expose and they bring us to his marvelous call of grace. Don't let it move past you that Jesus put himself under the same conditions. He's in the same boat. The same water that's splashing on them is splashing on him. The law exposes our weakness, our fear, but grace silences it. It silences those overwhelming waves. Here's the gospel message, right? Jesus came as a human, and he put himself under the same laws that we live under same natural laws. He's in that same boat with the water splashing on him. He put himself under the same moral laws and he kept them all. The same laws that condemn us, he put himself under. The same violent waves splashing on him, the same ones that splash on us. He lived under the same accusations. You know the ones in your mind? Jesus lived under those accusations. You know, those accusations and those misrepresentations, you know, the ones I'm talking about. The, the condemnation, all of those, I should have, I would have, I need to, I have to, I got to. All that pressure that we're under, he lived under the same. He bore the weight of the natural law. He bore the weight of the moral law. And even those imaginary laws that we create, he bore those too. He lived under all of them. He hears our cries. He hears that cry that the disciples say that, Master, Master, we're going to die. And for those who are here today in that sense inside, that deep echo of your soul that says, Master, Master, I feel like I'm going to die under these laws. He hears you. He hears you. And he gave himself up in our place. He bore the law. He did it all. He died under it. And as we sang, he rose again. So that we would no longer be enslaved to fear. Just as we sang. He died on a bloody cross under the weight of the law. And he rose conquering it in mercy and in grace. The first point I just want you to see today is that God's laws, they expose our human weakness. All of those laws, they expose us to fear is made plain. But God's grace provides wonder. Look at, look at what he does. At just the right time, then he got up and he rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith and said, what's wrong with you? He didn't do that. I was joking. 
He gives up, he gives him the bony finger and was, how come you don't believe? Why don't you do more? Why don't you put the mast up? No, look what it says. Then he got up and he rebuked who? The wind and the raging waves. He rebukes, the, he doesn't rebuke his followers. He rebukes the wind and the waves. So they cease. Many of you may have come here today and you are weak and you are heavy laden. You're beat down by the laws of this world. You're beat down by the expectations that you put on yourself. You are beat down by the expectations of others. Would you let these words just wash over you? He got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and they ceased. And there was calm. And then he says, he says something just beautiful here. He said, where is your faith? That's a, that's a profound thing that he says, where is your faith? He doesn't say, what's wrong with your faith? He doesn't say that. He doesn't condemn them. What's wrong with your faith? You know, what is an ontological question? It has to do with the nature of something. He doesn't, he doesn't go at the nature of their faith. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, well, how come you just didn't trust me? How is an epistemological question? It's about knowledge. He doesn't ask them about that. He doesn't say, why can't you just stop being anxious? Tell somebody who's anxious. Why can't you just stop being anxious? You know what you just did? You just, right? He doesn't go, why is a motive question? He doesn't go after their motives. What does he say? Where is your faith? It's a, it's, a, it's a question about location. Fix your eyes here. Look at me. When the, wall, the, the, the laws of this world expose our fear, fix your eyes on Jesus. He, he understands it. He knows it. He's got you. He's experienced all the things we've experienced in his humanness. When the fears are coming over you and you recognize you're weak, that's good. That's what they're supposed to do. They'd make you recognize your weak because when you are weak, he is what? Strong. Embrace it. Your finitude. When we're confronted with this world is bigger and the laws of this world are more powerful and you know what? They can crush you. Yes. Embrace it. Cast your attention on the one who's fulfilled the law and offers grace. Direct your attention to the cross. And so I'm going to end with this application, a couple applications. If you're here today and you are overcome with dread or fear, it's so easy then to hear a law that says, you're just such a bad Christian because you're in anxiety and you have fear. No, no, direct your eyes. This is what he says. Where are your eyes? Direct them to the cross. Receive his perfect life. He's in the boat with you. Receive his perfect death. He died for you. Receive his resurrection. He arose so you may have new life. He doesn't condemn those who come to him. He offers him grace. And if you're here and it's not your current state, you're like, well, look, thanks for the message, but it's not me. I'm just not tracking with you. It doesn't resonate with me. Then, then 
I'm grateful you're in that place today. You should be grateful too, but I just want to give you an encouragement. I kind of see life works this way, that we're either either preparing to go into the storm, we're either in the middle of the storm, or we're coming out of the storm. And here's the one thing I've learned, right? The best time to prepare for the storm is not when you're in the middle of the storm, right? That's not the best time. So... If you're not in the storm today, rejoice and set your eyes on the cross. And if you're here and you're just not convinced, you're you're just not convinced in Christ's love or that it's available to you, then can I ask you, is it possible you're just really more afraid that his love is real? Is it possible you're maybe afraid and you're running from his grace? Perhaps today, instead, in a moment, we're going to work towards communion and we're going to be reminded with the bread and with the wine, we're reminded how he identified. When we take the bread and we take the wine, we're reminded he's in the boat. He knows everything that we have gone through, his human nature and his divine Perhaps instead of partaking as we partake, perhaps what you do is ask him to reveal himself to you today. Because his grace is extended to all those who will come. He knows our fears. He's in the boat with us in those fears. He's conquered those fears and he doesn't condemn us. Thank you for listening to this episode of King's Church DC podcast. If this sermon encouraged you, please like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. For more information on our church and service times, please visit kingschurchdc.com. We hope you will join us again next week.